Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the final hour is here, guys. OutKick 360, 6th and Peabody, our location with Ehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, we've got Austin Price, VolQuest.com. We will get ready for top game in the SEC. It again includes the Tennessee Volunteers hosting the Kentucky Wildcats. Austin will be with us in about 20 minutes from right now. We'll see if he's as confident as as, as you guys are. Yeah, Chad's not on board yet. I, not, not, so, not as, you think they're winning, but just not majorly. I, I'm i going to have... Oh, no. I put pe- I put, hang on. No, no, no. I put okay. people on the couch, right? <laughs> Yeah. I may need Austin to put me on the couch on, on this one All because right. I agree with everything you guys are saying. This team is different, but there's some psychologically beaten down brain cells still floating around in my head right now. Well, that can happen against Bama or Georgia or Florida, but please. True, not, true. Not, not the series UK. history has been a little bit not, better against Kentucky. There you go. There you go. And the, the jerseys, the helmets. It's time. It's go. It's... I hope what you said Hutton, comes true, <laughs> okay. and then it's a beatdown. Uh, Paul, cold? Yes. Or just promoting uh, Yeehaw? I can't tell. No, cold and promoting Yeehaw. <laughs> both. Yeah, both. All right, fair enough. He's got take that jacket to uh, the World Series. I have not yet picked out my World Series outfit. Are you someone that gets a ticket to a big event and you start thinking immediately, what am I going to wear to this big event? No, but I, uh, I, I need to be, uh, I need a very neutral outfit. My wife, uh, we're going to an event in a week or two, and I have been asked no short of 15 to 20 times, what are women wearing to this certain event? And I'm, I'm, we never I have know. No idea. I have yeah. no idea. You're going to have to figure you this one out on your own. No, you no clue. Stuff. No clue. I try to ask. Um, all weekend long. You can watch, of course, the World Series, which starts tonight. We'll preview that game a bit later. Paul will be at game two. You can watch the games here at 6th and Peabody. All the best college football games on all the screens, the biggest indoor screen in Nashville, and, uh, of course, NFL Sunday and Monday night. They got you covered as well. And while you're here, uh, be sure to check out the uh, Rising Hope IPA. And we're pleased to be joined in studio by Chris Lovett with Rising Hope IPA and the Country Malt Group, and John Overby, who's our champion from, from our uh, race earlier in the summer. What a race it was. You know, that's his real title, right? But he is the head brewer with Yeehaw Beer uh, here at Did Six you see that, that move, by, that savvy move by Chris, by the way, a man who clearly knows television. He saw it, and he just so subtly moved his arm out of the shot <laughs> to present almost a Vanna White-type presentation of this beautiful trophy that belongs to John. They know how to do trophies here. I mean, that trophy would make you think he won a, a road race. Can we drink some of this beer yes. out of that trophy when we're done talking about it? Absolutely. That's, and, uh, that's the next step. So the beer, 100% of the Rising Hope IPA beer here at Yeehaw all weekend, and we'll learn where else across the country, 
goes to National Pediatric Cancer, their foundation, and raising money uh, to help find a cure for this, this terrible disease. All ingredients and packaging donated by uh, Yeehaw Brewing here. Overby's Rising Hope uh, ingredients, he made this. We'll find out what's in it as we do a cheers. Guys, welcome in studio. Hope you're doing well. We are, we are. Appreciate Thank you. It. Thank you. Uh, Chris, tell us about Rising Hope IPA, how this all came about, and how it's spread now across the country, across the region. Uh, so the beer started probably six years ago just as a collaboration between two breweries in Florida and the Pediatric Cancer Foundation, which is also based in Tampa. So uh, Florida Avenue Brewing, Cigar City Brewing, uh, the Pediatric Cancer Foundation came together and said, let's start a program where we can make, make some beer to help raise some money for, for uh, helping find a cure for pediatric cancer. And um, we did it just between the two breweries for the first two years. And then I left Cigar City, got a job with my current employer at Country Malt Group. And it was my goal to try to take this thing national. So we've gotten it up to about 40 breweries across the country doing it this year. I think it's awesome. It's a great idea, and the 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 logos, the 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 packaging with all of it looks awesome. John, you've always uh, you've always done it right with all the the different Yeehaw beers you can get on tap here at Sixth and Peabody. What's what's in what's in the, the the IPA this year for Rising Hope? Um, so we got donated uh, by Chris and other companies. Uh, so 100 percent of the malt hops uh, and the white peach. Uh, extract was all or puree excuse me was all donated by country malt group and the other con- uh, the other companies um, so basically it's uh, Canada Malton Company yep um, what was the other brand Great Western Great Rush Western um, Yakima Chief Hops and uh, Amaretti uh, puree it's in it. and you've got to put everything together and you, you made this Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how much? Like, how, how much did you make? Because th- th- what I'm told is it's here until you're out. Yeah. I'm assuming you've got more than one day's worth here. Yeah. We uh, have, uh, so we, we have 20 barrels worth. Okay. Uh, that was donated, uh, which is that's one Tennessee game. <laughs> right. <laughs> one, that's one college football Saturday for you guys. That's uh, that's equivalent to 620 gallons of beer. It does have a, almost a Tennessee-type tint to it also with the color. Paul, do me a favor and taste this. I have. Yeah, cheers. Um, because yeah. I, I taste Excellent. it, and the, I immediately thought, this is something Paul's going to love. Cheers. Cheers uh, to uh, what gotta, you guys are doing, yeah. and we'll try this. So I already know that there's I like do a, love it, and the it's taste, very good. Uh, there's a white the peach. The taste lingers. Is that right? Which yep. I like. Um, Chris, how much leeway do the, the breweries have on putting their own spin on this? Because not everybody's going to have the same ingredients or the same flavoring. So the recipe is created uh, by, by Ford Avenue and Cigar City every year, and then it's distributed out as a kind of a template, and then the breweries from there can take it and put their own spin on it to make it match who they are as a brewery, mat- match their local clientele. If they want to do something you know, truly unique with it, we give them you know, the flexibility to get out there, take, take what we started as a blueprint and make it truly their own. So, John, if people are coming to Nashville, obviously we tell everyone to come here to 6th and Peabody terrific spot uh hutton you had mentioned that it's here until it's gone right yes is is this the the one spot is this the one spot where you can get this on tap right now this this version we're tasting yep absolutely it's only here okay but it's it's starting now and until it's gone right yep all right we want to make sure to get the word out to as many people around the nashville area if you're coming in to visit 
order this beer because it's well, going to go for a great cause. And you can also just, uh, you can, on Instagram, you can go to Brewing Funds the Cure. Uh, you can find out where other locations are, brewingfundsthecure.com as well. Uh, follow at Yeehaw we'll Brewing that out there also, as well. Um, and you can get all the, all, all the information on where it is across the country. Um, and Chris, how many states are involved now? We got about forty states. If that's you go a, that's to awesome. if yeah. you go to the National Pediatric website, they have a map where you can click on, and it'll tell you which breweries in every state do it. So you can find a brewery near you, near you, and go go there and support the same cause there. Talk me a little bit through the uh, more through the fruit element, and then talk me through how many tries you give this until you get to something that you go, say that's it. Recipe changes every year. So we look for that inspiration from the designing uh, brewmasters uh, to come up with something that we feel is going to gravitate towards the consumer and get, uh, we want something that's going to be super popular, something that's going to go to a lot of pull through because every penny is going towards, you know, helping, helping kids, helping children, helping, I mean, 43 kids a day get diagnosed with pediatric cancer. And all we got to do is drink a beer to help them. Yeah, and follow along on Twitter, at Brewing Funds The Cure. I'm curious about the growth of, of this charitable effort with you, Chris. You talked about the origins of it uh, down in Florida. How quickly has this spread? And you're in 40 states right now, as you said. Yeah. I mean, where does it go from here as you're talking about now having a successful charity this year, but what happens in 2023? Uh, the goal is to get it to all 50 states, D.C., um, and then get everybody making 20 barrels and if that happens, we're raising half a million dollars a year. That's incredible. Do you know the 10 states you're not in I do. right now? I do. Can you say, we may have someone that's watching right now. We just had someone on our YouTube chat say they moved away uh, from the South years ago, and they're watching in Eugene, Oregon right now. I don't know if Oregon's one of your states, but let's get the word out. There, there, is, the a brewery, there is a brewery that is participating in Oregon, okay. so they go on the website. I'm, I don't know them all off the top of my head. I've got give, a list. Give us a couple. Do you know a couple of them? Uh, West Virginia. There you go. <laughs> we could we could use some huge support in West Virginia. Huge following West Virginia huge. with the show. They love us. Beer drinking love state. Mount, Mountaineer country, fans, country are roads. Huge. They, yep. We're we're big fans of that song. They love us in West Virginia. Yeah. So um, I, if we go to the website, you can check the ten states. And if you're friends with somebody that owns a brewery or works at a brewery, and you want to get out there and ask them to support us, then that would be great. Any any support we can get from uh, from the community would be amazing. So the the thing I I think is really cool the the branding the logo of the can itself. You've got stats on pediatric cancer and research and where the money's going. 100% of all funds uh, when you buy the beer is going with the proceeds to pediatric cancer research through uh, their foundation. And Chris, you've got stat, one of the stats that stood out to me. So the, the, the children that survive this, you know, survive cancer, by the time they're like 40 or 50, they're having major issues again. 95% of the people that go through the current treatments available for pediatric cancer by the time they hit 45 years old are having major health issues that are directly resulting from the treatments that were administered to them to fight cancer. Because the, the treatments that are given to children are the same treatments that are given to adults. So what they're throwing at, you know, what they're throwing at a six foot two, 250 pound adult maybe lesser volume but a similar treatment to a child and the goal is to find less invasive less toxic less aggressive treatments to help these kids and again like every every dollar matters every beer matters in this case uh this weekend at sixth and peabody john how many um 
I mean, roughly, how many beers are in 30 barrels? In 30 barrels? How many did you make? Uh, per barrel. Uh, 20 barrels. 20 so barrels. It's, it's 31 gallons per barrel. So, yeah, we made 20 barrels, which is 620 gallons. How many pints it's in quick a gallon? Uh, in a gallon, I know at least... Um, is it 160 pours off a half barrel? Yeah. Did so, you guys know yeah. you'd be doing math when you came in here today? No. Uh, coming in <laughs> we're like, in, we didn't sign up We don't do it either. That's why we're asking yeah. you. We're, we're in beer, so we don't have to do math. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you break out the periodic oh, table hey, hey, next, better, We're going to go through example. all the list of elements. How many Tennessee-Alabama games would it take to empty out the 20 barrels, John? Uh, half a game. <laughs> How close is the game? So you have a weekend to get here at six of Peabody. Let's, so here's the goal, and it's an attainable goal. Let's sell this beer out, yeah. especially here at Sixth and Peabody, but wherever it's being sold quickly, so we can help this terrific cause and, and figure things out with pediatric cancer. Hey, Chris, uh, just finally, is this you're donating the the ingredients here? Um, is it the same amount every year, or if we sell out early this year, can we make more next year? I'm I'm sure there's conversations that somebody in my company can have about making making that happen. I'm not That's, trying to put you on the spot. I was just we're trying to you know we're, if it were we're up setting to me, the goal here. If it were up to me, there'd be no limit. Like right. you're not going to say no to a kid with cancer. Absolutely not. Amen. Great work, guys. Uh, yeah, fantastic job, uh, both of you. Chris Lovett with uh, Rising Hope IPA, and you can check out the Rising Hope IPA here at Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer. As long as it lasts, and every dollar raised and the proceeds from the beer, every glass goes to Pediatric Cancer Research uh, with the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. And uh, big thanks to John Overby as well, our champion. John, please show him. us that. Present that trophy of yours. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, the 6th and P Grand Prix, yeah, which we, two had, hands. we had back in August. Uh, John Overby, the uh, head brewer here at Yeehaw Beer, took home the trophy. Is your name on that yet? Yep, it is. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Oh, that's great. The first one on there. Terrific uh, trophy. Chad, go ahead and tell him whose name will be on there next year. Well, if I was eligible yeah. the first year, it would have already been on there. But, you know, if I'm eligible next year for a championship, then... They booted you out in no time. It'll be on that first Sleepy race. Danny with by far the worst performance. John was terrific. Sleepy Danny was Sleepy pitiful. Danny was a, just a complete disaster in the, in the race, and I easily overtook him. Brewingfundsthecure.org. I said .com earlier. It's brewingfundsthecure.org to learn more and help out. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Cheers. Thank you. Hey, cheers, cheers to you guys. Thank you. Yes. And cheers. great job with uh, the ingredients here. Appreciate John. it. It's, uh, Thank you. Very good. Hey, we're back with Austin Price. We preview Tennessee and Kentucky, and who knows? We'll finish off this and have some more. We'll now kick 360. Barrel number one down. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Some sad news to pass along as we come back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Awesome Price is about to join us, uh, but we'll pass this along through the SEC. Legendary Georgia football coach Vince Dooley has passed away at the age of 90. 1980 National Championship, uh, won six SEC championships. Uh, the winningest coach in Georgia history and an all-time great for college football. 
It's a it's a it's a sadly dying breed of yeah. southern head coaching legends and just a true gentleman in Vince Dooley in every sense of the word. Sad time. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, of memories floating around, with especially Georgia fans, but a legend in the SEC, Vince Dooley. I, I only met, I met him briefly at, a, at an event with a local station uh, whenever his son Derek was the head coach at Tennessee, and he was extremely nice and generous. Um, not nearly as um, energetic as Derek Dooley was trying to fire up the, the, the UT faithful at the time, but um, full of stories and lo- loves talking ball. Yep. So, uh, anyway, uh, rest in peace, Vince Dooley. One other quick story to pass along as well. Um, Lee Corso is not going to be on college game day tomorrow, just announced. This is, I believe, the third or fourth time he's missed. Health reasons, we wish him well. Yes. Um, he woke up at a game, a, a, a show in Clemson, was feeling under the weather, didn't do the show, didn't do the show, at least for the next week, maybe the next two. Then he returned, and now it's been announced. College game day tomorrow is at Jackson State for whoever they're playing with Deion Sanders as the head coach, and Lee Corso will not be a part of the show. So we, uh, we wish him well. Austin Price, VaultQuest.com. He joins us as we talk about the game of the week in the SEC, Tennessee and Kentucky. AP, good to see you, man, and it's always great seeing you repping the uh, Atlanta Athletic Club. <laughs> Thanks, guys. How are you doing? Doing well, man. Um, I, I'm i extremely confident in Tennessee in this game, covering. Chad's uh, he, he's hedging a bit. He's right on the line of wanting to jump in, but he's he's apprehensive. A little shy. Uh, Chad, give your reasoning. Austin, Austin, help me out here, okay, because uh, oftentimes with these guys, I'll say I'll put someone on the couch and be their shrink for a little bit. I feel like I need that from you right now because everything in my brain watching these two teams play, especially every snap of Tennessee season, just like you've watched them, and watching a lot of Kentucky tells me Tennessee at home, it's going to be a special atmosphere at night. Their offense is clicking in every possible way. Kentucky's pretty pedestrian offensively. they got a good defense. Tennessee should win this game going away. But there's something in the back of my head that keeps coming back to, is this going to be the game they just show up and play terribly? Because I think that's what it's going to take, honestly, for Tennessee. Please, please help me out of this. Get on in the water, Withrow. The water's fine, buddy. Is it warm? Is it comfy? Yeah. Well, if it's warm, it wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, you know I, I just don't see this game being close. I, I, Tennessee, what Kentucky likes to do sets up well for you. Tennessee. Tennessee is is good against the run, and and has been this year. Um, you know, even even last week. You know, I mean, you didn't see any big big plays outside of the one kind of foot in the ground. You know, one cut north and south thirty yard run for a touchdown by by Jameer Gibbs two weeks ago. Um, you know, they've done a really nice job against running back. So, like, you know, Chris Rodriguez will get his, but how many how many carries does it take to get his, right? And can Tennessee get off the field on third down? I think they can because they're at home. And I just don't think Kentucky can stop Tennessee. I think Tennessee covers. Um, you know, I picked the game 45-28. And, you know, I just think it's one of those games where, you know, Tennessee gets off to a quick start and Kentucky has to try to adjust what they do and they're just not comfortable playing in, in that realm. And that's why I took Tennessee to cover. Austin, I'm with you. I, I do a double the spread type confidence level. I'm doubling this. 
Um, Austin's pretty I, close to double. I know, I know. 17, and you're saying 24. I, and we didn't talk before that. I'm glad. I'm glad you're with me here because here, here's my big thing. There's been a ton of discussion about Kentucky and time of possession and running the football. No one talks about the fact that Kentucky's going to need to score and keep up with Tennessee. It doesn't. Time of possession's not a big deal based on the way this offense operates. So that's my that's my thing. It's not like I'm all in on the Vols. It's this this is not the team that's going to run with Tennessee this year. Georgia no, can do I mean, it. Like Georgia's defense, I think matches up better than Bama against oh yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, especially in the secondary, especially in nickel, but. Kentucky's not that defense there, and Kentucky's definitely not the offense for this game. Well, it, you know, for Kentucky to win this game, because they can. Let's not act like they can't win the game, because most certainly can. But for them to win this game, I think they've got to hit big plays on special teams with Barry on Brown, and Tennessee's got to turn the football over, something they've not really done this year. Even the few times they've coughed it up, they've gotten back on it or it's gotten out of bounds. Um, they've just not turned the ball over. Hendon Hooker's been basically mistake-free. got the one pick against Alabama. That's it for the entire seven games. So, you know, I just ultimately think that, that Kentucky is going to move the ball, but Tennessee bends but don't breaks a lot. I think you'll see some field goals from the Cats. You know, or does Mark Stoops get kind of caught in what happened with Florida, what happened with Brian Kelly and LSU, where they chase points early trying to go for it on fourth downs because they're worried they can't keep up, and then it really puts them behind the eight ball even more. Uh, that's possible, but I think that Coach Stoops is probably a little more conservative than the other two um, and will take the points when he can get them. Problem is, you can't trade field goals for touchdowns with Tennessee. What's a ceiling for Will Levis in this game, in your estimation? Uh, I don't know. 250 to 300 yards and a couple of scores. I mean, you know, I mean, I know he's not thrown for over 200 a whole lot, but, you know, I mean, Tennessee's secondary's beat up. It's, it's healthier than it was a week ago, but still a little bit beat up and you know what how do they play him you know right I mean do they do they load do they play a lot of man you know um and and try to load the box to stop Chris Rodriguez how do they play it you know uh, I think you know will be interesting to kind of see how they they come out and attack Kentucky's offense early in the game awesome price with us Tillman coming back this week versus coming back next week how important is that just regardless of of numbers this week against Kentucky. The fact that he's just getting back and getting back within the offense uh, and working back in before they go to Athens. I think it's big. Um, you know, just to kind of, you know, to go back to the pool analogy, yep. to enter at the steps and not jump in at the deep end. And um, Because they don't have you know, to. I think, yeah, correct. Um, so I, I think, you know, you'll probably see him play around 20, 20 snaps tomorrow. Um, yeah, it could always change. You know, I mean, coaches will go in with a game plan and then, Kids like, no, nah, I'm good. Let's keep rolling. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, okay, sure. Um, so uh, we'll see. But I mean, I think going in, they're going to try to play him between somewhere between 15 and 25 snaps. You know, depending on how he's feeling, how the game's going, down and distance, situational stuff. Um, but they're very confident in Ramel Keaton the way he's been playing. Um, this just adds to Tennessee's offense. And to me, I'll be interested to see how Kentucky defends Tennessee. Do they kind of sit back in the zone and say, hey, we're going to let, make, make you keep everything in front of us? Because I think Alex Golish and Josh Heupel are very patient to say, okay, fine, six-yard throw, six-yard throw, six-yard throw, six-yard throw, eight-yard run, six-yard throw, eight-yard run. And, 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 you know, it might take them an extra minute to get down the field, but if it ends in a touchdown, they're happy. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, ultimately 
you know, that that could be going you know, to pick your poison tomorrow if you're Kentucky's defense. I'm very interested in in Tillman's workload and the fact that Tennessee's been so good and Jalen Hyatt has had such an amazing year, especially Crazy. since Tillman went down. Um, but you play the guy, obviously. I mean, he, he's he's a great player. But Tennessee doesn't sub a lot uh, the way they play and the way they want to have a fast-break offense. They certainly don't sub in a lot of receivers. They like to go with three guys for the bulk of the game. So... Do you see this as more of a like every other series? They get going with Tillman. Is he going to spot Ramel Keaton at different times? I'm curious how you see the rotation working because Austin, as we know, Tennessee's not a team that's going to play a ton of receivers. Well, I don't think they don't. He will not start. I don't believe. Um, I think where you see him is you know getting him in maybe second or third series, probably third. Um, or again, situational. You know, if if you know. They have kind of a stoppage, and and you know they're going to have to sub. You know, halfway through the drive, he comes in for those four or five plays to finish out the drive. I, I could definitely see that as well. I'm um, such a big target down there around the red zone is Cedric Tillman. So you know, I, again, I think that it'll be situational. They'll be methodical with it, and you know they want to just try to work him back in. Again, he's been battling a little more than the ankle. Um, you know, I think you know. Some other stuff that kind of you know was injured when he got the ankle injured, and it's been slower to heal than the ankle. I think the ankle is back 100. percent um, You know, so I, I think ultimately, you know, how's he feeling elsewhere um, will determine you know how much he's able to go tomorrow. Do you think Tennessee can run the ball on Kentucky? I think the answer to this will dictate a lot of how this game goes offensively for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that Kentucky, you know, Tennessee's able to run the ball in the Kentucky last year. They have to be very cognizant of of Hendon Hooker running the football. And then, you know, what Jalen Wright and Jabari Small have given Tennessee the last few weeks has been really, really solid. So, you know, I think Tennessee can. I think a lot of that will be dictated on how Kentucky plays Tennessee. Again, if they plan up to step back and play zone, I think Tennessee's going to be very comfortable handing it off and getting five yards and four yards and six yards um, and, and kind of going that route. And if they, if they do stop the run – my confidence level is that Hooker and the receiver is going to hit big plays. And then Kentucky's going to have to drop two safeties back, and then they can run the football. You know, right? you got to pick your poison here. And I know Kentucky's very good at stopping the big plays. They are number one in the SEC in allowing just 17 plays of 20 yards or more, six, six passing plays of 30 yards or more. I don't know how many passing offenses they face like this. That's where my confidence level is. And on the flip side, Austin... Um, Will Levis takes a lot of sacks. Number one in the SEC. And Tennessee has been better in this regard, especially what we saw with the, the, the pressure we've seen recently from the Tennessee defense. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, to, to speak more specifically to that, like if Will Levis was playing quarterback for Alabama, Tennessee had five or six sacks in that game. Yes, yeah. Ed Houdini was playing quarterback for Alabama. And Bryce Young was avoiding eluding and, and just, I mean, it was a magician. Um, at, at avoiding the sack. So, you know, I agree with you. I think that plays a big role in the game. I think, you know, you'll see Tim Banks bring some pressure. Um, and again, I think that ultimately the only thing that's going to kind of loosen that up is if Kentucky can hit some play action over the top. And, you know, I don't think they're super dynamic at, you know, wide receiver. I, I love Barry on Brown. I think he's a top end talent. Um, but outside of that, they don't have a, a you know, there's no Wondell Robinson. Um, and, and with Barry on, 
you know, as a freshman, he's still working his way in. Um, so they try to get him the ball in different ways, move him around on jet sweeps and, and, and you know, short passes because he's so special with the ball in his hands. But um, definitely interested to kind of see how that happens. And you're right, they have not faced the, – the Kentucky defense has not faced a quarterback uh, or passing game like Tennessee's. The closest would be Ole Miss. Uh, but Mississippi State, you know, they dink and dunk. They don't try to take it vertical at all. So um, definitely interested to see kind of how this plays out. You know, the whole like, – Tennessee scored 35 in 10 straight games. Kentucky's not allowed more than 24 in 11 straight games. The last team to do it was Tennessee. I mean, they've not played anybody <laughs> since then. Like, you know, have you seen who they played? I mean, like, you know, it's just funny to me how they're touting all this stuff. I mean, Tennessee's scoring 52 on Alabama, right? And, you know, LSU's defense was, you know, had a lot of, you know, acclaim coming in with, with B.J. Ojolari, and Tennessee goes for 40. So, you know, I think Tennessee's offense will be just fine heading into tomorrow. I don't buy that any smart, successful, well-coached football team is doing any peeking ahead. Um, though I know a lot of people look out there and call it a trap game and, and that kind of nonsense. Is that anything that gets discussed on any level um, among the I, team? I don't think so. I think this team is so grounded – because the leadership is very, very never too high, never too low, kind of steady Eddie, that I don't think they can get caught looking ahead because I don't think those particular set of leaders will let this team get caught looking ahead. I think they're very focused on this game. Who are those leaders, they, Austin? Well, I mean, offensively, it's Hendon Hooker. I mean, like, again, he's not the most vocal guy in the world, but he kind of, you know, he goes as, you know, or they go, go, they go as he goes. Um, you know, they look at Jabari Small. They look at Omari Thomas. Um, you know, the one emotional leader they kind of have is Jeremy Banks. But, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, he's somebody that, you know, that they're just like zero, zeroed in on. Um, they look at Trayvon Flowers. Again, all those guys, you know, have passion for the game, but they just don't ride that roller coaster of emotion. And, and I think that helps them in a game like this because, you know, it is a trap game, right? And, you know, I think they're very focused on Kentucky. They know Kentucky pushed them a year ago, could have easily won that game in Lexington. And I think that, you know, they're going to try to get off to a good start and put Kentucky behind the eight ball tomorrow. Austin Price, VolQuest.com with us. You can follow him at Austin Priceless. All right, let's look ahead. They're not looking ahead. We will. Is this, if both teams win, Georgia and Tennessee, is it number one versus number two when the college football playoff is announced on Tuesday? Uh, You know, I think it's real possible. I, I think this possible Tennessee could be number one. Um, yeah, their 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 resume will be better than everyone else. And you know, if you're the committee and you're looking at it, you know, who's to say they don't have a different set of you know, you know, rankings than the AP poll or the coaches poll? So I think it's very possible um, that those teams could be. If not, I mean, again, it doesn't really matter. You're going to have a lot of weeding out when Michigan plays Ohio State next week when you know when Georgia plays Tennessee. So you know, you're going to have some nat natural attrition out of that that four, so you can kind of place them however you want to place them, right? Austin, the Jalen McCullough situation is a weird one. Um, cleared to play by the university. Josh Heupel could play him if he wanted, doesn't have to. There's still a pending felony charge out there. That hasn't changed yet. It may change in the future. What do you think happens tomorrow night with Jalen McCullough? Man, I don't know. I mean, again, I was told you know, late last night that they still had not yet made a decision on Jalen McCullough. And you're right. I mean, cleared to play, but that don't mean they will play him um, because they, you know, you, you go get some 
flack for playing a kid with a, a charge against him. Um, but well, just again, do what Nick Saban does and don't care. You know, they, they got a guy on video hitting a girl well, and he can just say whatever he wants and the kid keeps playing and no one's going to give him any flack. We don't understand. I mean, Josh Heupel's hey, different hey, from Nick Saban, I understand. But hey, who, who do you think was more scared? Who do you think was more scared? Burton leaving the field with the sorority chick running by him or, or Jalen McCullough when just some <laughs> random dude walked into his place? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, like – that that's what the, the the lunacy of the the excuse from Nick. I mean, just man, just say hey. I didn't think it was enough to suspend him. That's how we're rolling. <laughs> I mean, just say what it is, right? I mean, you don't have to like come up with this cockamamie stuff. Um, you know, it is a weird situation. I think Tennessee ultimately knows Jalen's side of the story. They 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 know that the, the evidence that's out there, and you know, I think that's why you've seen some pushback from Jalen's lawyer. Um, you know, trying to get this this thing resolved. And, you know, I mean, the DA seems like the, they're in no hurry. You know, man, it's election season. I mean, probably should be in a hurry, right? You know, or <laughs> That's a fair point. I didn't think about that. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with this thing. It is what it is. If they play Jalen, I got no problems with it. Everybody else in the league does. Well, if they play him, he's already missed games. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean you can always yeah. point back to him. Well, the kid missed three games One now? Game, yep. One game, yeah. Two. Well, UT Martin. <laughs> I count. We're not counting that as a game, so two, but one and a half. Maybe one and a half. Oh, Austin sure. Price joins us uh, each and every Friday. Austin, always great information, man. And enjoy the weekend. Uh, yet another great atmosphere at Neyland with the blackout, the helmets. It all looks great, and the atmosphere should be unbelievable. What do you think about the, the uniforms, lights? Austin? What do you think about the all-black head to toe? I love them, man. If you're going to rock the black jerseys, you rock the black helmet. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm all for it. Again, I, Tennessee were orange and white against Florida. They were orange and white against Alabama. This is a, an alternate against Kentucky. Who knows what they'll do alternate-wise in the month of November on the road. Um, we've all seen the other pictures that are out there of other helmets. So um, I think that's, you know, either Columbia or Vandy. For you guys, they're in Nashville. Yeah, the checkerboard in, for in that, Nashville. For that home game, hey, they're going to play in that Vandy. Hey, listen. I don't think the head coach would 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 hate it if if the fans checkered an opposing team stadium because I think it just helps them recruiting, right? I mean, just shows Absolutely. the power of the fan base. Can you imagine? I mean, I know Max, my dog, who's barking downstairs, that probably someone walking their dog would agree. What kind of dog is Max? Uh, Max is a Cavapoo. Hey, a I have a Cavapoo. King Charles has really? poodle. I wow. have a Cavapoo. Ripley, we got to get Ripley and Max a hang. At any time, buddy. All right. You guys can go do that at Atlanta Athletic Club together. Yeah. Uh, Austin, thank you, man. Enjoy it, and we'll catch up next week. Sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. Right. Big, big week coming up regardless as Tennessee will take on Georgia. and Both teams should come off a win in the SEC Austin this weekend. is as confident as you guys that Tennessee will I, handle business relatively easily tomorrow. Maybe I'm overconfident. Maybe you're talking me out. I mean, Chad has been very measured all season. Even against Bama, he was like, you know, the spread's right. Like, I would, the spread's okay. Bama's, we're not there yet. And then Tennessee did what it did. And I'm thinking, man, they, they're there. And Kentucky's not. But I haven't been overly negative about them either. I just I know, thought, no. I thought Tennessee might cover measure, measure. and lose a close game to Bama. And they won a close game against so, Bama. Hypothetically, just 30 seconds. If Bama wins that game on the field goal that they missed, and Tennessee doesn't go down and tie it, What's the spread this week versus what it is right now? I don't think it's that different. 
Honestly, that, based that's on the how two I teams, feel about it. Uh, yeah. it's probably ten instead of. I think, it's, yeah. I think it's twelve right now or twelve and a half. It's two score. It's two touchdowns. Yeah, it, it's two scores. Two scores. I yeah. think. I think either way. Um, I, the, the only thing that I'll keep pointing out is if you're Kentucky, you just put on the film against Pitt and hope you get that Tennessee. But to do that, you're playing the numbers games of that's one out of seven performances that they look like that. But that's what you have to multiple turnovers. Special teams mistake, right? Tennessee got a, had a punt blocked in that yep. game. They had a chance to make it a two-score game the entire second half and stalled out against a good defense when they got across the midfield or right around midfield. I mean, to me, that's the formula for Kentucky. Win the turnover battle and then hope that Tennessee isn't on fire offensively and that you make enough plays with Will Levis that you can hang around. To be close. Coming but, up, but you got to. Then I got to win. It's not a good spot to be in when your team depending on the other team to play bad, and that's what Kentucky's yeah. doing. Yeah. So I agree with you guys in that respect. Coming up, we've got three other games we're going to feature and tell you some background with and and our picks for each of those games. Plus, Paul will preview his trip to Houston, not for the Texans Titans, but for the World, World Series, Series game two tomorrow, game one tonight. That's next on Outkick Three Sixty. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Tennessee and Kentucky tomorrow. One of the top games across the SEC. You've got Georgia and Florida. Used to be a massive game. It was number nine in Chad's top ten games of the weekend. I don't disagree with him when he said they barely made it into the top ten whatsoever. It's a 22.5-point spread for the Gators. But I still feel like this is going to be a better game than that spread. I, I, I laid it out earlier. Anthony Richardson has shown up in the other two high-profile matchups. This is his third. I think he shows up to a level. They're not going to win, but I think it's, it's – I'm picking Florida to cover. Let's put it that way. I hope you're right because I'm following you on that one. Yeah. Uh, I hope you're right with our other games, uh, our top college football matchups, Ohio State and Penn State. You are as confident in the Buckeyes as I am in the Vols. Uh, against Penn State versus Kentucky on my end. Why? I think Penn State's just another team, similar to Kentucky, honestly, that with their offense and their quarterback, they're just not built to, to keep up, to play keep up. And you got to be able to play keep up with Ohio State if you're going to have a chance. With C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison Jr., that offense, two terrific running backs. I mean, you've got to score points. I just don't think Penn State – has the ability to do that against this Ohio State offense. I love Singleton, the freshman running back for, uh, for Penn State. Good ru- running game, just not enough to, to keep up with Ohio State in this one. Yeah, and uh, Penn State's secondary has shown up throughout. And they don't make many penalties here. Only, only five pass interference calls all year for the Nittany Lions. But I, Ohio State's a different beast. And this, everyone's pointed to Tennessee's record, right? Alabama's record, Georgia's record. 
this is their first like true chance to grab everyone's attention for the voting public, I'm saying. Especially with the college football playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday. But even if they blow out Penn State? Uh, no, I'm with you. But, but the and argument, Tennessee wins? Right. I, I, just, I don't but, see any argument for Tennessee not being number one I, unless you just want to piggyback off of Georgia's national title and say, well, they haven't lost, so they'll be our number one team and Tennessee's number two. Resume to resume, it's not close. Well, with the, what Tennessee's but done. But the perception and goes LSU from... LSU is helping them a lot with their great play the last two weeks. Well, but you know the perception goes from, well, who have they played to? Did you see what they did to Penn State? That will be the narrative. Yeah. Even though the resume for Tennessee, I'm, and Georgia, I'm here to tell Alabama, you that, better. That narrative is wrong. Sure. I'm here to tell you that. And that's not to say that Ohio State's not the better team. They're likely going to be in the college football playoff if they handle business. Tennessee's done more at this point in the season. Let's go to the Big 12. Oklahoma State against Kansas State. Spencer Oklahoma Sanders. State is a play away from being unbeaten based on their two-overtime uh, performance. This is the and best defense that Spencer is, Sanders will have gone against this year. So, And I, I, am, I thought the Cowboys would dip defensively, and they have not. They lost their coordinator at Ohio State. Jim Knowles. Yeah, and Knowles has drastically turned around the Buckeyes' defense. But here's Oklahoma State doing what they do and not getting a ton of credit for it. And I think people have overlooked I'm not overlooking them here. I think they go in and win. And take a second to appreciate these two programs, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Neither one of them recruit at an elite level, but they know exactly who they are. Chris Kleiman at, at Kansas State, he is a, a 1AA guy from North Dakota State, powerhouse in 1AA. And uh, I, I know that it's FCS, but I still like to go back to the old school 1AA. But um, it just they know their guys. Yep. They know where to recruit. They know where to go. Kansas State started it way back when with Bill Snyder when he went into all those Kansas JUCOs that are located in the state and got those guys. They know exactly who they are. This can be a really good game. Adrian Martinez has been great. I have not seen the injury report with him. It was very odd Both in their last game. Up. Yeah. Because uh, I saw Tim Brando tweet this, that um, I think it was Tim Brando, that Adrian Martinez was out from the second quarter on, pads on, moving around on the sideline, did not appear injured, but there was no sideline reporter in the game. And he said, this is a lesson to oh. always have a sideline reporter because they don't know why he's not playing. If it was coach's decision, or if it was, this was against TCU, or if it was something else. So... Uh, I've not seen a report on Adrian Martinez. I think it's going to be a great game, though, either way. That's and, pretty uncommon not to have a sideline reporter. Well, not for yeah. a game involving a I know, yeah. top 10 team. I mean, it, unfortunately, there are, still, there are still broadcasts done from a studio. Not many, not many. But the first game of the year was in Dublin. They didn't have a crew there. Yeah. Ole Miss and Texas A&M, the Aggies. Man, it has been a rough a rough stretch for what's going on in College Station. Meanwhile, Ole Miss is coming off their first loss of the season to LSU. The Rebels are favored by two. They can run the football. A&M has struggled to stop it. I like Lane Kiffin and the Rebels. Big bounce back. Davey, is A&M three and four or four and three? Do you know their record? Four, three and four? So three and four A&M. Tough stretch to close out the season. That game against Miami at home in Arkansas on a neutral field balanced the first part of the season where it didn't get completely off the rails. 
this is another opportunity to not fall completely off the rails. Right? Because it's going to be bad no matter what. There's no coming back from their offense this year yeah. and what it's done. But I see this as an opportunity for A&M. What's the crowd If they like? beat Ole Miss at home, What's the crowd lukewarm. Like? We, we need to get Billy, we shoot Billy Lucci a text and find out how, when, when's the last how, how many of his tickets are he selling. Was, was lukewarm. It, it's going to get a lot more. It's not even lukewarm. It'll be freezing cold if this offense continues on its current path. But I just think A&M, if they win at home against Ole Miss – you have a chance of you're going to under-deliver on expectations no matter what, but at least some form of respectability with your record at the end of the year. But this is one they need to win. World Series game one tonight in Houston. Game two tomorrow, Astros and Phillies. Paul, do you know where you'll be sitting? I do not. I do not yet know. I'm happy to be in the building. I, uh, I'm going to pick out a nice neutral outfit tonight, set it up. I get in. Like 11.30, maybe catch a workout, maybe uh, doze a little bit and sit in front of some college football uh, <laughs> after, after to be nice ready. Because I'm expecting, a, 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 my wish for my game would be extra innings, uh, extra inning classic. Workout, eat, nap, World Series. Bang. That's Sounds a, nice like a glorious it's a perfect day. day. It's a great Saturday. I love that. Day. Have you considered, and I know you haven't, wearing a Phillies hat? No. If I'm wearing a hat, It'd be a Yankees hat, and well, that he, would be disrespectful. Let me also say, tie yeah. it in with your with your. No, uh, he should not do family. that. He should not do that to Mattress Mac. I will not do it. The to provider Mac. of the ticket. If anything, you should I wear think an he would be, I will not be wearing. I think an he Astros. would be more offended by the Yankees hat than the Phillies hat. Mattress I think he Mac. would as well. I won't wear either. Good call. Neutral. Neutral. Wear your pro football. No, I'll, I'll see about my. I'll, I'll see about my cheering level. No Cheers to the weekend, guys. Enjoy. Enjoy all the football. weekend. There we go. Back at it Monday. Outkick 360. Don't block the box, but do please lock your locks. See ya!